One last spurt of cleavage produces two diploid ribosoles, each carrying half the plans for a new worm. Hopefully not the same half. Finally convinced that they are, indeed, of the same species, they hesitantly begin pairing. They combine to become one single blasphemula, which makes a last tug of mycotic cell division, and voila, there are now two worms where there once was one. But what becomes of them now? We'll learn not only that, but also why the peen worm is so crucial to our nuclear beer and even the Martian War in Series 9. Hey everybody, what's going on? I did have leg surgery on Friday, and to put up front, I am incredibly loopy in most <laughs> of this show. Um, I had knee surgery. They removed all the cartilage out of my left leg. Um, so now it's just kind of bone against bone. Boom, yeah. Take that into your minds right there, folks. Um, we were supposed to record this show on Saturday, but because of time constraints and my, like, I'm not real sure. I'm sane right now. We should probably delay this till Sunday. That's how it all came about. <clears throat> and as par usual with the show, oh. we had Skype issues on your end. <laughs> Dude, it's always on my end. <laughs> we have R.A. Brewster with us tonight. He is a blogger. He's got a really cool website. He is a writer, a blogger. He covers horror fiction. He's got a, a YouTube channel. Um, he covers these off-the-wall strange cryptids. I came across him on a subreddit for Cryptozoological. And I started seeing his stuff and I'm like, wow, this is really neat stuff. So we were chatting back and forth with the guy for a while to set this up. And I was like, well, one of the things that I wanted to do this year, and you're going to see, hopefully you'll see it, is that I begin reaching out to all of these different bloggers of obscure, strange, just really off the wall information that you don't normally see covered. And it's a lot easier to get bloggers on here than it is to get authors and things like that. And I do kind of like reading the blogs and stuff. So I'm going to let everybody know up front for the very beginning of this interview, Lobo wasn't here through the magic of editing. Oh. He's just going to appear because you yeah. had to call in on your phone with Skype instead of using Skype on the computer. And then at some point or another, you pop in on the, on the computer on Skype. Yeah. Once I get it fixed. Hopefully all of this recorded well. <laughs> I don't know, man. Because at the I'll beginning right of this now, interview, if there's somebody out there listening, want to buy me a new laptop, I'll love them forever. <laughs> <laughs> yours is the one that's always like yours dude, is the one that's always held together with duct laptops. tape and everything dude three laptops and three desktops just for this stupid show well mom hooked you up with the last one this one she gave me yes yeah, this one that's mom. sitting in front of me now the last one i bought from her and then the one i had before that was that was old though man yeah that was an old one and then i had the all-in-one that was a desktop i had the uh, the one we started on, and then I had one that I built from the auction house that I was using for the longest time. So if anybody out there has a laptop, laptop and can hook Lobo up, you know, for show purposes, we'd greatly appreciate it at this <laughs> point. Because every week it's kind of like you're like the Millennium Falcon of the show. We're always banging on that damn thing, trying to get up and running. So anyways, uh, to get this going, at the very beginning of this interview, you're going to kind of hear me stammering trying to get through this and stuff. And it's not so much that... Rob's a problem. It's a, as I'm talking to Rob, I'm also dealing with you having a, a freaking nervous breakdown meltdown <laughs> on my phone as you're like spinny thing. Computer's not loading windows update. What the hell's going on? You know, we're like supposed to be 10 minutes into this interview. So I'm dealing Whoa. with him and dealing with you at the same time. 
And then this interview is probably one of the weirdest right turn, left turn out there interviews I think we've ever done because we go from talking about strange cryptids and weird legends into talking about true crime. And then I try to get us back on course to go back into talking about cryptids again. And then you're like, like sea creatures and warm blooded and five gills and then Rob's mm-hmm. responding to it. And it, it was just like. Which was fine because I like natural flowing interviews and, you know, we have guests on there and we talk about a lot of cool stuff. I was not expecting us to go into the depth of talking about true crime that we did. Again, Mm. it's cool just with me being on Oxycontin right now and and ibuprofen 800 and Skype issues and Internet and running the show and computers blowing up and nuclear bombs almost going off in Hawaii, you know, (laughs) anyways. Let's roll with the interview. R.A. Brewster, Robert Allen Brewster, uh, rabrewster.com. Do go check it out. He has joined our Facebook page. So if you're a listener and you're on our Facebook page, you'll be able to interact with him directly. We'll see you guys at the other side. Just bear with this crazy, wild, really strange interview and, and for what it is. And, and, you know, we'll see you guys at the other side of it. Hey, All right, so today we have Robert A. Brewster, who is a blogger. You cover you cover a lot of strange stuff, actually. You cover um, unusual, weird cryptids, um, kind of like these back backwoods, like folk folky legend kind of things. And you're also a horror writer. Is that correct? That is true. So give us the dime store tour of who you are, because if I try to do it, I'm sure I'll mess it up. And since you're the one who does this stuff, it'd be better if you covered yourself. Oh man, that's my least favorite topic is myself, but I'll, I'll give it a go. Uh, I was always a big fan of horror stuff, specifically creatures. I can remember my granddad for years would tell me these long urban legends uh, from the backwoods, places where he had grown up in, and that's kind of what sparked my fascination. And from there, it sort of built into this, I, I like to classify it sort of like a collectors thing i like to collect these kind of stories and after a while that just sort of influenced my own writing and from there i started to become like hard into the whole creature feature thing Mm -hmm. body horror that sort of stuff and after being pressured from pretty much everyone to try and share some of that that's where we ended up so how did you go about researching this stuff do you do you dig into like old archives in the towns or you just go out and find what you can uh, usually I do a little bit of both. I'll usually try to find what I can online, uh, see if I can find anybody in that area that I can message or talk to on Facebook. That's a lot harder than it seems because the people either aren't that – the people I can find either aren't that educated on it or they're not very open to talk to a random stranger that just messages them out of the blue. Yeah. yeah. But uh, ever since you go on the archives on a, a couple of them, especially with um, – a lot of the database of the cryptid wiki, that's been super helpful. So let me throw one at you. Let's let's start off with the, the most batshit crazy of the monsters that you've covered thus far that I can see. 
you've got the Van Meter Visitor, which is essentially a giant flying pterodactyl that shoots freaking laser beams. Is this correct? Yeah, out of his head. Yeah, <laughs> out of his head. How old is this legend and where does it come from? Because it sounds like something you'd see out of Cowboys and Aliens or or a video game or, or, or like all of these things sound like bad sci-fi Saturday, you know, Saturday horror films that you see on the creature double feature. Oh, yeah, especially so, the Van Meter visitor. Like he just sounds like something out of a comic book. Like <laughs> uh, he actually started in uh, 1903 in Iowa. And what was crazy about that case is most people, well, most towns that have these sort of uh, monster moments, they always like in a way sort of gravitate to it later. Uh, kind of use it as a tourist attraction, like think the Mothman in West Virginia. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the whole point. Pleasant is just geared toward the sky. Mm-hmm. Van Meter in Iowa, however, buried this story. Like this uh, happened in 1903, and the town buried the archives. They went to where the creature was eventually walled up in the mine and completely covered it, and nobody talked about it for years. So. The weird thing about the really where a you're dealing with a pterodactyl, which sightings of of dinosaurs aren't that out in the realm of the strange. You get you get record, uh, reportings of of like thunderbirds and things like that, or you get the odd case where someone will be like, "Yeah, I was driving down the freeway in Nevada and I looked over and saw a tyrannosaurus or something." You know, out of time, out of place kinds of things. The thing was is that this happened in 1903, and the concept of laser beams was. You know, I, I completely for it. Yeah, yeah, it's you know this this idea of, of a laser beam shooting out of a pterodactyl. I could see why it would be buried because no one's no one wants to be known as the town of loony people who are seeing flying dinosaurs that are shooting laser beams. So out of their freaking heads. <laughs> so what is the story behind this thing? Uh, basically, from what I was able to gather, the uh, the town one night started to have um, reports of like what people think are as rock robberies and stuff, uh, movement around their houses, uh, different things. And a doctor, if I'm not mistaken, looked out his bedroom window and this bright light shot off from a roof. And as he's looking at it, this creature jumps between the buildings. And it was like this inhuman sort of speed. It was ridiculously quick. And then the next night, um, another bright light shines this window, and a guy runs outside thinking, you know, somebody's trying to break in. But he finds this massive um, creature with bat-like wings and a horn coming out of its head. Uh, they shot at it, uh, both shot at it, and the bullets did nothing. They simply, they simply just seemed to repel off of its skin, and eventually. After more sightings started and an increase occurred, people decided to try and chase this thing down. And they found it retreating into a mine. Now, reports after that are kind of sketchy because it appeared that there may have been a second one there as well. And after they walled it in, they listened to its cries and screams for days and then silence. How big was this thing? We're talking like the size of a house, the size of a person, minivan, red box. Um, you know, <laughs> we're looking. We're looking at either I think the size of a minivan because it seemed to stand at least um, from what I from what I could gather a uh, good two heads like like head and shoulders taller than everyone there with a massive wingspan. 
did it come it came out of a, like a mining cave or something then is that that's where the legend began from yeah they uh, they said they tracked it back to an abandoned mine now the crazy thing is it never flew even though it had these wings they they never once had any report of it flying so it just ran around in all fours like a dog like a dog yeah <laughs> Like I believe there's one in like there's like a there's a bat in Africa that has like completely adapted to being flightless. It still has its like wings, but it runs around on the ground. And I'm guessing that's how it would have moved. It's just the concept. Just thinking about it yeah, is terrifying. It, 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 <laughs> like it's like imagine that thing coming at you like just scurrying with this glowing horn on its head. And I'm like, what on earth? That I must have gotten to the peyote. Like, what's this thing? <laughs> No, it's just the idea of this thing like just flying, at least like running around zapping up at laser beams and stuff. So you you said that the whole thing was buried and it was covered up for the most part. Does anybody gone into the mine since then, or f- does the mine actually exist? Let's start there. Was it there is a really a mine that you can trace yes. this thing to? There is a mine that you can trace it to. Um, there is a pretty detailed map. I wish I still had the photo that the guy sent me. Um, it was a map of where the old mine was at, and someone went there and could find where it had been walled up. Now, granted, it's been overgrown, and there's not really a path there anymore. But there seems to be like actual facts that you can track back to this thing. Are there town records of it or anything like that? Are there local newspapers still like in the in the library and the archives? There's witness statements from a guard. That was actually one of the first things that was discovered in the town uh, in the town papers. I believe it was the uh, of a guard of a local bank, if I'm not mistaken. And I guess during his like dissertation or not dissertation, but his like his witness statement is actually what was put into record. And then as you started hunting back through it, you could find uh, documents about this thing. Has anybody gone in and explored the cave or anything since then? Is that like a local town attraction? It's like go this way to see the Van Meter Cave or the. No. You know, the, from from what I gather, excuse me, no, from what I gather, no, the, the cave itself is, uh, like I said, completely sort of walled off and overgrown. Hmm. Um, and it's even not like talked about that much at all in the town from what I could find out. Let's move on to the next Saturday, like talk show monster feature thing. This is another one that is incredibly bizarre that I've only I've never seen another one like this either, which is the West Virginia Vegetable Man. Oh, yeah. The walking toss salad, if you will. He's, he's a walking something. Uh, well, that's the crazy thing is I actually live very close to where the sighting occurred. I started in Fairmont, West Virginia, and this guy ultimately, or this, this dude was just walking through the woods one day, and he started to hear this strange kind of sound, um, kind of like a womp, womp sort of noise. Mm-hmm. And as he approached this um, clearing, this creature started out and it was like as skinny as a reed super tall I, mean, I believe they said that his in his original statement it was over like seven feet tall or something like that and the creature looked to be sick uh, it seemed to have this weird sort of jabbering and um, a sound that like a record player kind of getting caught like a scratch i guess you could say and his whole body froze up and it spoke to him telepathically uh, it said, you need not to fear me. I only want to talk. I'm a friend. We know of you. I come in peace. I need medical assistance. I need your help. And the creature's eyes, which were very long and oval-shaped, began to flash different colors. And he started to realize that it was <laughs> controlling him. Yeah. It was almost like one of those, uh, oh, what was those things? Those carrot monster from uh, 
Bugs Bunny cartoons. That one that just like flash those strange colors at him. Oh yeah, yeah. Their eyes. Yeah, are, yeah. yeah they start yeah, that's how like I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then the suction cups on its fingers started to like elongate with okay. these. Okay, so it's a vegetable monster with suction cup tentacle fingers. Then that drinks blood. Yeah, <laughs> West Virginia man. There. Okay. Okay, okay, I just wanted to establish. I was like, you know, so the guys run, these guys going out, and then all of a sudden, this like eight foot tall beanstalk thing walks out. Now, what, what in the description implied that it's vegetable? Because if it's, I'm, I've never seen like a broccoli with tentacles before. So, like, so you, you don't shop in the local markets in West Virginia. That's pretty I read a lot of Lovecraft, so <laughs> no. you know, I've seen enough I, hentai. Well, that's where I thought the story was going to go. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be an interesting encounter here, boys. That's something to tell you kids about later. So it's eight foot tall. It comes out. It's doing a jabbering sound. It's making a noise kind of like when it when it gets to the end of a record, when it does that weird thing. Yeah, one of those weird skip noises, yeah. So was it like, did, did it have like bark on it? Did it look like Groot or, or just, because you've got a really funny picture on your blog. You've got a guy sitting on a couch. It's just covered in vegetables, and it looks pretty funny. So it's literally the only picture I could find. <laughs> What's well, a great picture, but that's, you know, when, when you, when you say veggie, man, that's the impression that I get. I don't see like, I don't see plants with tentacles. So anyhow, it's hypnotizing them. It's got the changing colored eyes. It's making a weird noise. It says, we know of you. So that implies that it's kind of alien for the most part or something yeah. along those lines. So he realizes it's mind controlling him and he's talking to an eight foot tall veggie plant that wants to toss him. What's, well, how, how does, where does this go? What's. Well, I would, I would have imagined that he would have been pissing himself. At this point in time, but he seemed to just completely seize up and the creature then stuck these needle like appendages that grew out of its suction cups into his arm and drained him of some of his blood. And and the guy just stood there. Well, he's mind controlled. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Basically, he's like thralled by this thing. And he gave some of the descriptions of it was that it actually appeared um, made of some sort of foliage like it was like a reed. Uh-huh. And as it drained his blood, the uh, it's like the sickness that he seemed to have went away. And then it just took off, like darted through the woods up a hill. And he swore he saw some sort of spacecraft take off at that point and it escape. This sounds more like a fairy folklore kind of thing. Because we covered on a few shows ago, we were talking about how like fetches were, were essentially like there's a glamour to fairy folklore that when you see these things are actually like sticks and rocks and things like that just all woven together to give it to give you this weird impression. So like he said it was just made of reeds and things like that. It's it's hard to get a visualization for what this thing is. And then you bring in the fact that it has tentacles. So it just vanishes out of nowhere. And that was the end of it. Now. Yeah. Again, is there any records of this stuff on file with the local, the locals or in the libraries or newspapers or anything like that? No, no. This was a one-time sighting. Was it printed in like, like a yellow journalist newspaper or something along those lines, like a local town's paper? Well, that's the thing. The guy eventually broke down and told the story to a, to a, a local sort of enthusiast called Gray Barker. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gray Barker is sort of a controversial figure. Oh, yeah. We've discussed yeah. him many times. He's one yeah, of the old school yeah. ufologist people. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's got a lot of things to do with the Mothman, Men in Black, that sort yes. of stuff. Also and, known as a big prankster, too. Yeah, big, big hoaxer. He's a big yeah, man. Exactly. Um, so from that, you kind of have to take the story with a bit of grain of salt. Lobo, did you want to talk about the white things or the Shook Monster? Because they're both kind of along the same lines. They're both like hellhound kind of creatures. Well, the... 
Well, actually, the white things were kind of shape changers, were they not? Or were they always perceived as, as like a hellhound kind of thing? Uh, they're mostly shape changers, yeah. The only thing I could really kind of uh, pinpoint them as a as a 100% uh, characteristic to them would be the fact they are always white and somewhat ethereal. Where were they out of? Yeah. Uh, a lot of them seem to originate out of the Appalachian Mountains. Um, a couple of Native American tribes have different myths associated with them, uh, such as like if you were to see one, it was the equivalent of seeing a hellhound. It's a bearer of uh, misfortune. Uh, others, though, would say that it was a Bigfoot-like creature, uh, bipedal, uh, humanoid. Um, so there were many different accounts of it, but it was always white, always somewhat ghostly. And any wound that it inflicted upon you would never uh, would never bleed. That what? sounds lovely. Yeah, like it would literally attack people. And like, I mean, I suppose it would just be terrorizing them because none of the wounds ever actually did any damage, but they could feel it. Like there were accounts of like biting through their jugular um eating at their organs and intestines and then looking down, there's no wound there. There's no blood. There's no anything. So they're but like you spiritual still wounds then. Yeah, basically. It's like you kind of felt it on your soul, if you will. That's unpleasant. Yeah, I can only imagine that would be pretty pretty not a good day. No, say no. not. No, not at all. I was like, man, this schizophrenia is kicking in hard, gentlemen. I don't, I don't like this one. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. So with... They would be like, like they would see them. They were always white, though, so they would see them as like a Sasquatch or a wolf, or were those the two primary forms that they were spotted in, or were they would be seen as other things as well, like like I don't know, owls or something like that. Uh, it didn't seem to be much more than um, the wolf or the Bigfoot-like creature. Uh, I didn't actually find any real accounts of them being like an owl. Sometimes there were like large cats, but those were pretty rare. Hmm. So you've got a thing in here talking about the South Carolina folklore regarding from a traveling salesman. Um, how does that tie into it? Uh, well, if, if you don't if you don't buy into the concept that it's a Native American myth, uh, if you want to look for something that could actually have been like a progenitor of the entire story, uh, it would definitely be the South Carolina folk story about the uh, accident. Well, I don't want to say accidental about the murder of a traveling salesman. Uh, this traveling salesman had a large white dog with him, and he ended up going through this town where a murder had just occurred. And like any small town, you don't want to imagine that one of your own could have killed one of your own. So you try to look for someone to blame. Uh, since the traveling salesman was around the scene when it had occurred, the townspeople kind of whipped themselves up into a mob and lynched him. Uh, oh, his dog... Yeah, not not very not not a good welcome. Like, how you been? Now get up in that tree, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, his dog. I'm sorry, I chuckled. I, I tickled myself on that one. I'm trying not to laugh. It was funny, and this is why you don't sell, sell Amway, folks. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> door to door. They didn't teach me this one in the training class. No. But the dog tried to defend him. And he got shot and wounded, and eventually the people realized that I just we just basically killed this dude for no reason. And what you do? Yeah, he was like, "Oh man, after the after that mob mentality wore off, I feel kind of bad about that." We're sorry. (laughs) Tell you what, I'll take one of your one of your Bibles, and uh, I'll leave you like a five in there. Here's a fiver. Let's forget it ever happened. This is back in the day. If I could buy, I could buy you a lot now. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a Gideon too. Look at the crisp pages on there. <laughs> oh. 
The most useful of all Bibles. Exactly. <laughs> Every motel has to have them. You know. <laughs> the most useful of all Bibles. <laughs> They're left by Gideons. They're ninjas. You didn't know that? Right? No. <laughs> they just pop in and out. You never see them. You never you wake up, you've got six Bibles on your desk. How did it even happen? That brings up a weird reference. When I was when I was growing up, um, I think it was Coors. I used to have this commercial on TV of how it was made from artesian spring water. And the artesians were the ones that did all this stuff. And like they had this big running joke about the artesians that nobody had ever heard or seen or like that. But they were out there and these were <laughs> these visible, invisible people. And like there'd be these guys sitting around the campfire talking about that's the artesians using the artesian spring water. And you'd hear some like noise off in the distance and they'd be all spooky. I'm totally getting sidetracked. I don't even know why that popped into my head. I guess yeah. the Gideons and the artesians. No, that so. just makes me think of like the Keebler elves. But yes. like for beer. For yes, like- exactly. <laughs> Elves. <laughs> no one knows where the cases come from. We just close the doors and then they're there. <laughs> Drunken the fools. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. No, but I, um, I, there is many legends along Native American lines that have to do with these spectral haunts and spectral creatures, but I've never heard of the whole idea of insf- inflicting spectral wounds that don't actually bleed and don't actually you know, they don't actually hurt you physically. You know, it's like a soul wounding kind of thing where they would attack you. Well, so, there's a, if you've ever heard of the Wendigo. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's actually a couple of accounts. Now, not not too many. They usually come out of Canada. And I've read I've read just a few of them. And I think one was in a, oh, shoot, it was one of, one of those big books of Native American myths. It was kind of a throwaway sentence. But one of the ways that it would terrorize you is um, you know, mimicking a friend's voice or oh, the dead loved one. But if you went out into the cold, it would actually inflect these horrible sort of like uh, tears on your skin, almost like teeth. And then when you would try to get back and like warm yourself, there would be marks there, but no actual like blood or wounds, but you could feel it biting into you. And like that was some sort of spiritual manifestation of its hunger or something. Lobo, wasn't there something to do with fire or something like too, that sometimes the Wendigo would be seen in flames as well? Or is it, no, never. No, it was spoken of as your feet your feet were of flames. But that that's was it. Was. You could never could never oh, get the warm. burning, yeah. You could never get yeah. warm. Yeah. That's what it was, yeah. So moving on, since we're in the topic of hellhounds and spiritual operations along those lines, you've also got a thing out here in the Black Shook. Now, Lobo, you told me that you had done your My senior thesis was yeah, on the Black Shook. So you go ahead and take this one because I'm sure your black shook knowledge is far greater than mine. There's, there's not really a whole lot to talk about. I mean, it's a it, originally it was from the Moors. It was spoken of as being on the Moors. It was seen around churchyards. It was supposed to be a hellhound. Yeah, but then they found apparently, well, I don't know how long ago it was, but they found a large, uh, the remains of a skeletal dog on a churchyard. In, yeah, uh, it was Suffolk, England. There you go. Yeah. That's so they think was. that there may have been some truth to the fact that there was a large animal stalking the area. But as far as like spectral, it was they were spoken of as uh, flaming red eyes. I know the ones that. OK, now that's this is going to sound really strange, but the ones that I've seen personally, some of them have just eyes. There's no head, but there is a body. And then there are large black dogs that have the flaming eyes i know that sounds obscure and strange wouldn't know anything about that no no like that's <laughs> i actually suffer from cataphobia so that would really? be like oh, God, my worst would... nightmare yeah no kidding 
Like that would be wow. something that you just like take yourself out. Like, no, nah, I'm gonna save you the trouble, bud. Don't worry. <laughs> they've never come close enough to like cause any harm, but they've scared the bejesus out. My wife was with me one time, and when I was younger, we were on a on a, in an area in town that was known for strange activity, and the people that I was with saw it. And this was before drug use. Mm. So <laughs> I was like, well, this this isn't the heroin this time. This is real. Exactly. Well, you've got so, in here that it's black tar, black shock. There's a connection there. Absolutely. Close. <laughs> we have, my, both myself and Lobo have both had black dog experiences at various times in our life. Uh, mine, mine's. I've talked about it on the show several times before and on other shows. Um, but you've got in here that it's um, it's believed to be a retelling of Viking folklore. I've never heard that before. I've always heard. You know, there's ah. there's all kinds of American legends about hellhounds, and there's British legends about black dogs and things along those lines. I've never heard of it crossed over from Viking folklore, though. It's the first instance I've heard of that. See, with black shock, well, with hellhounds in general, I think it's more of a blending of uh, a lot of different mythoses together. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at it purely from uh, from just the folklore aspect, like in Viking folklore, uh, Odin had his haunting hounds. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would often take the form of um, black dogs, essentially. And you start to blend the idea of the hunting hounds of a god with something like, say, Cerberus. Mm, three-headed hit, dog of hell. Three-headed down hound. Um, pagan myths also talk a lot about how um, dogs have this connection with not just humanity, but also with the spirit world. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that kind of got blended together into what we all consider today a hellhound. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they were believed, as well as cats, to be able to see into the spirit realm, whereas right. our vision was limited. And it was limited because we were humanity, and humanity was supposed to be less than angels, slightly less than angels, and not quite as much as a god. Right, we're so in we between. Were, yeah. yeah. So we were seen as, you know, we weren't allowed to see into the realm, but animals that were that were not as intelligent or weren't tainted by um by the Christian knowledge mythos? that was given to us. Well, it wasn't even it was even before Christian mythos. It was it was if we were tainted by like higher understanding in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If we were a, a we've learned throughout the years that sentient beings come in all different forms, but at one point human beings were the only ones seen as sentient. So, you know, dogs, dogs were like that go between the worlds, whereas cats were seen as witches, familiars, dogs were, dogs were more humanity, more mankind, less, uh, supernatural up until the idea of, um, Romulus and Remus with their lycanthropic uh, view of life and how yeah. they were supposedly raised by wolves. The wolf mother, yeah. Exactly. So they were, dogs were always seen as not as bad as cats and more closely linked to humans, but along the lines it was bastardized and then dogs were seen as creatures of the night. Well, wolves were seen as creatures of the night, but with the domestication of the wild ancestor of wolves and dogs it was seen as dogs are cool because they'll protect us whereas wolves will eat you and they work for the dark sides yeah they're like uh, wasn't like you said creatures of the night made me think about their dracula's hands basically yeah exactly and, uh, yeah what's the you, um 
legend you got in here talking about from 1577, where they uh, where the whole the English Suffolk England legend came from. If you don't mind, oh, the Devil's Footprints. Mm. Now that's a good one. Um, basically, there was a church in Suffolk, which is actually the supposed church where the skeleton was later found. Um, this black shuck sighting occurred, and it tore through um, a sermon. Uh, like a whirlwind. They say it hit the place, scattered books and pews, uh, left scorch marks on the stone floor, killed two people. And the scorch marks can be seen today in that same church. And then the encounter happened in 1577, but in 2014, an archaeology group near the abbey found a seven-foot-long skeleton of a dog. It's buried in a shallow grave. Um... They te- they did a couple of like I guess you would say soil testing to find like what kind of age it would be, and it fits the time frame of that encounter, mm. which so, is fascinating in itself. Yeah, but the fact that there's still scorch marks on the floor from this thing's paws, I- yeah. I'd be interested to see those if they actually like have like like the indentations from like claw marks or if they're like actual burn footprints or something along those lines, or if they're just plain old scorch marks. And, and you know that kind of even goes into like the what's the ghost stain thing, um, uh, the ghostly stains in places like blood stains from a murder that you can't clean up no matter yes. how many times you try. Yeah, it's something similar or to they that. They fade and come back. Yeah, right. I've, I've seen many reports of those as well. The funny thing, um, this just popped in my head too. I believe the word cerebus means with spots or spotted or something like that, if I'm correct. So Hades essentially <laughs> named his dog Spot for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I want that to be so true. <laughs> I think it does. I think it does mean that, actually. I'm, I'm double-checking here. Caribus uh, means spotted. That's right. Hades, Lord of the Dead, literally named his dog Spot. <laughs> oh, that pleases me greatly. I had read that oh. in a Dresden Files book, and I'd always it just stuck in my head. I always thought it was this like, cute little bit of like odd you know, trivia, but I didn't know it was true until just now when I looked it up. So... Yeah, oh, yeah. The Dresden Files. That's some good stuff. Yeah, I'm a big Jim Butcher fan. I'm a real big Jim <laughs> Butcher fan. Um, so moving along, since we've already covered those ones, let's go into the realm of human monsters. You've started to cover true crime a little bit, and I'd brought up before the show that you were you'd covered Nanny Doss, the incredibly friendly looking woman. We may have covered this person before, but I think it's been a while. Who? Uh, it's been a long time. The giggling granny, yeah, yeah. It fed her, fed the family rat poison. Um, but let's talk about this woman. <laughs> she was something else, and, and what's kind of sad, in my opinion, is a lot of the serial killers I find fascinating to me always start with a very tragic kind of backstory. Like uh, Nanny Dawes, a lot of people say that her entire murder spree sparked from the fact that she never felt loved. Um, and if you kind of play into that idea, so same, same thing for Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, he only killed all those gay men because he couldn't find someone who would stay. And that's the kind of stuff that fascinates me because, like, you start looking at love as being the reason for these horrible crimes. And it's like, ooh, how close is love and murder when you get close, when you get down to the root of it? Because there was always well, a, a fine line between love and hate. Love and hate, yeah. But there's that theory that a serial killer and his victim meet each other halfway. Mm. And that's that's what's that's what's wild to me. But with Doss, she um she kind of was rigged from the start in a way. 
Uh, her father was very abusive, um, not just to her, but to her mother. Um, she lived in Alabama. Uh, her father didn't believe that she should go to school, didn't believe you should wear makeup. Um, I think she only got like a fourth or fifth grade education. And she, yeah, it was a rough on her because as soon as she got old enough, he pawned her off. I think she was 16, if I'm not wrong. Uh, he pawned her off to a guy that he uh, that worked with her in the factory. And just natu- such a rubbish human being. Just oh, terrible yeah. person. Yeah. His, her dad essentially was, I think, another reason why she may have uh, tried to kill her family. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. It was like, actually, I can't take him out, but none of y'all were very nice. So, uh... <laughs> you did nothing to try and save me, so screw all y'all. Yeah, screw you guys. But um, she started dating this guy named Charlie. And Charlie moved his mother in, and his mother was like the, I don't know if you guys frequent Reddit's just a mother-in-law, uh, horrible stories about um, these mother-in-laws and how crazy they are. It's a subreddit called Mother-in-Law? One. Is that what you said? Yeah, just no mother-in-law is what it's called. And if you ever want to sit down and just go, oh God, break out the whiskey, that's that's a place to go. <laughs> the su- the, what's the subreddit called one more time? I got to write this uh, down. Oh, no, it's called uh, Just No Mother-in-Law. Just No Mother-in-Law. N-O or yeah. K-N-O-W? Uh, N-O, yeah. Okay. Wow, yes. okay. <laughs> I've come across some strange subreddits lately. I came across one last night where it was nothing but dogs wearing visors. I mean, um, wearing goggles. It was what? a whole sub... Yeah, it was a whole subreddit what? of just dogs wearing goggles. It's on our... I'll add you to our Project Archivist Facebook page, and you can feel free to post anything you want on there, because we do get some weird stuff posted on there. And I was, I was digging around. I'm going way off track here. Sorry, folks. Just bear with me for one minute. Short attention span theater here today. I'm, I'm on all kinds of pain medications because I had surgery. So, um, I was digging around last night as I am up to do at two o'clock in the morning when I can't sleep. That's where I find weird stuff. And I came across this subreddit of nothing but dogs of pictures of dogs wearing goggles. Some of them are on motorcycles. It's so weird. It was just like for real, you know, (laughs) There's a subreddit There's a out subreddit there for everything. everything. Yes, there has to be. It's it's like it's it's like rule 33 if it exists there's porn for it. I guess there should be one for subreddits as oh. well. So, going back <laughs> I don't want to correct you cuz it paints me in negative light but it's rule 34. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't read too much into that. Don't That's don't the best. That. That's the best. So anyways, where were we talking about Nanny Doss? Now that we've we put off of this bizarre tale. Oh, you were, were talking, talking about, about no mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, well, she she had a very bad mother-in-law and uh eventually this woman sort of just drove her I, I want to say the woman really just drove her to kill because it was like she could not catch a break. She had the yeah. domineering father, now she has this domineering mother living in her house. It isn't even her mom. And Charlie and her don't really have any sort of love for each other but she was young she was expected to start bearing children and she had four of them one right after the other after that I guess uh, a little bit of postpartum depression started setting in she started drinking and smoking and Charlie started to notice that she was definitely not the sweet girl that he he thought she was Uh, two of her children suddenly died out of the blue Uh, they were both very happy they were both very healthy and Nanny couldn't really tell him why they died. Uh, he started to suspect her, and eventually, her I guess her pathology started to really show itself to him, and he just packed up with the oldest kid and left. 
probably a good choice. Yeah, getting out of there was a good idea. So that left Doss with one daughter and no way of supporting herself. So she ran to Georgia and found the first guy in a bar that would give her the time of day and married him. Mm. They liked to party. Kid was cramping their style. So they just left the kid home alone one day and never came back. Oh. Yeah, it was the kid's oh. name was Florin and she <laughs> let's let's just say she maybe should have took that as a great thing because when she reconnected with her mom later, her mom murdered her child. Oh dear. Yeah, like here's your first grandchild. It lasted about three days before he uh, unfortunately oh, passed away. God. Yeah. If your That's mom cool. abandoned you, it's not a good idea to leave your kid with no. the mom that abandoned you. Oh. You would well. think that wouldn't have been a good idea. Yeah, she didn't like want him. So boom, maybe there you go. Yeah, maybe she was like, uh, you know, he's cramping my style too. But I'm like, this is a fucked up family. If that's the case, I don't think any of y'all deserve to be alive. I'm just gonna point that out. No, like they should have cut that tree down a long time ago. But well, the thing with that is, um, with that death of that poor little kid, uh, I think his name was Lee. Uh, with the death of her grandson, that was the first time you actually got her to admit, in a way, how she killed her victims. Because she told him that he accidentally got into some rat poison. How do you accidentally get in rat poison? That's not well, a thing. It, when it's in your food, it's kind of like, eh. well, yeah, that's, you know, there's know. that. <laughs> he didn't know he was doing. It was an accident on his part. Oh, my God. But uh, Frank, uh, Frank Harlson, which was uh, the, the husband that she married that second time, he didn't last much longer after that. And Doss started to get a taste for murder with uh, those first two under her belt. So she started hooking up with Lonely Hearts postings in local papers. Um, and every husband that came in after that didn't last very long. In fact, I think they only lasted about one, two years. Oh. Yeah. So she'd kill him off the same way then with the rat poison. Always the rat poison. It was the easiest way, she said. So how did, what was her d- demise? I'm sure somebody put two and two together and began realizing that this, this woman was a lady of death. Kind of. Um, there was some hints with uh, the death of Nanny's sisters in, uh, I think it was in 1954, after she had killed them when they went to move in with her, that they were all showing the same kind of symptoms, um, swelling, convulsion, stomach cramps. And the worst one was Samuel Doss, her last husband. He actually was dosed with a humongous amount of rat poison, enough to kill, uh, I think, a dozen men. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was some bad stuff. And he actually did not listen to her and stay home so she could nurse him. He went to the hospital, and that's when they discovered that he was being poisoned. After that, the investigation connected all the dots, and they brought her in. She confessed. Uh, she confessed to murder spanning about 30 years, I believe. Mm. Died of leukemia in 1965. Only, only served about 10 years. I was going to say, I just listened to a podcast about this. How many like, husbands did she go older. through? I believe it was four or five. Five. Five yeah. husbands, yeah. Yeah, not good. <laughs> the thing is, she wasn't even that much of a looker, but I'm like, the food Ooh. must have been to die for. Literally. Zing! Zing! Thanks, folks. You'll be here all week. Try the prime rib. It's great. Make sure you tip your waitresses. Don't look too hard at the prime rib. That stuff on the top, let it go. Do you... <laughs> just for flavor. 
Do you have any other serial killers that you're like researching right now to put any more stuff about, or is this was this like the first one you've ever done anything with? Oh no, I've, I've actually been a bit of a. And again, I'm going to say this, and don't think less of me. I've been a huge. Uh, I'm going to use the word fan, okay? And that's not in like. No, that's I okay. True crime it. is okay, yeah. true crime I'm is pushing huge, huge right now. Yeah. Oh it's me! A, oh my God! Almost every single podcast I listen to is is a true crime based podcast. Oh, it, 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 it's about it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's the human animal. I mean, it's, it's a human to... monster. Yeah. It's a monster yeah. in human skin. It's wild to think that this exists in us, you know? Right. Well, it's give me somebody else that you are quote unquote a fan of if possible. Oh man. Um, I can tell you a bit of a personal thing, which oh, was, go uh, for it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So when I was younger, my mom used to read to me these uh, books and I was a slow learner when it comes to reading, so she would pick different things. And one of the things she used to read to me was her favorite book, which was the Encyclopedia of Serial Killers A through Z. Nice. And yeah, yeah. And that's where I came across that she named me after her favorite serial killer. Ah, uh, creepy. Yeah, it was extremely weird. And after a while, you know, I started to look into it and he is a nut job. His name is Robert Allen Bordwell. Bordell? Oh, yeah. yeah Bordell. Yeah. And Familiar. He's, in, he's pretty wild. Uh, had a tendency to kill his friends, um, people like that he knew. Uh, like you do. You know, it's like, why go too far away from home? <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, apparently you didn't yeah. get the memo. You don't shit where you eat. Yeah, but then I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, I really like you. I think I want to see how your insides look. Is that yeah, weird? Right? Yeah. Probably bad, right? That's bad. Weird cat, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you mean you don't want to spend the night? I don't understand. Just move the torso on the bed. You're fine. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, it's a wild stuff. That reminds me of some Dahmer stuff there. Like that yeah. guy is bananas. Yeah, he is crazy. But I'm actually currently researching a bit more about him, um, just for the next installment. But uh, one of my favorite ones that I recently did was Henry Powers, or sorry, Harry Powers who was West Virginia's first serial killer and quite a ladies' man. Most of them are in some way, shape, yeah. or another. That's, well, this well, that's part of like the allure or the, the hunt of it, I guess you'd say. Well, have you ever heard of The Night of the Hunter? I have not, no. Uh, it was a pretty famous uh, serial killer film uh, back in the day. It won a lot of awards, and it inspired guys like Spike Lee later on with uh, somehow they do the directorial things. Mm-hmm. And Harry Powers was the inspiration behind that. And one of the weird things about him was that he shopped through the Lonely Hearts ads. And they believe that even though he was found to have killed only uh, three to four people. Uh, no, only. Five, only, yeah, only, you know. Uh, he was suspected in 50 more. 50? Yeah. It would have made See, him the most prolific, if that's the truth. Wow. Well, don't they always see with a lot of these guys? They they always claim that they've done more. It's once they've been caught, it's the idea of the this one upsmanship of like, yes, I've killed a hundred, I've killed two hundred. Well, it depends on who you're talking about because I was just listening to what was it, Picton? He killed way more people than he ever said he did. He topped out at like I don't know, like ten women that he he like admitted to. But the majority of the prostitutes that were, or sorry, excuse me, sex workers that had disappeared, 
that he sent to the off to the rendering plant was way more than that. Whoa, was that the guy in the pig farm? Yeah, dude. Oh, dude, Willie he is Pickton. nuts. He is nuts. Oh, All right, yeah. so you got to tell the story then, since you've brought the name up. Ooh, yeah, Willie you got to show me some Picton. Yeah. Oh my God, he was. Oh, he, this dude was. See, the thing is, is this is relatively recent. Um, he was killing people up into the two thousands. I want to say. Wow. Yeah. So. What happened was he he was he came from a messed up family, like big time messed up family. And they owned a pig farm. The mother was brutal. And there were I think there were three children, uh, Willie, his brother and his sister. His sister went on to be like a somewhat normal person. Uh, His brother was a scumball, but not as like Willie was like slow. (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. He cut. He literally killed sex workers in Canada that were mostly um, natives. They were uh, Aboriginal, like Canadians that were, you know, like Native American, but native Native Canadian tribes. Right. And drug addicts. He, He went after drug addicts. And I mean, he would take these women back to the Piggy Palace, which w- it ended up being like a, a clubhouse, and the Hell's the, Angels had a the chapter Piggy there. It, that's what it was called, the Piggy Palace. I would and, never go with anyone to a place no, called no, the Piggy Palace. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, the, pro- the biggest problem was during this whole time, the police in the area were like, yeah, you know what? They're just prostitutes. They're just natives. Nobody cares. Let's, they literally. That's a pretty it, common sentiment even today, like, unfortunately. For real. Like, so, I mean, you got to realize this wasn't that long ago. Like, this was well within memory. Damn. And he would get them to come. At one point, they, they would no longer go with him because he was just dirty, grimy, stunk of like pig shit. Didn't have enough just, money for this one. No, he had a, yeah, no, this guy, he was rich. This guy. Rich. He had a, this guy. Because when the, when the father died and then the mother passed, the property that they owned was split up between the three children and they ended up with a ton of money, like a ton of money, like millions. This guy's a millionaire. And he smelled like pig shit. Well, he drove. Well, yeah, he was a pig farmer, and he just didn't care. He had no oh, social. You could take take a shower, like no, 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 no. He didn't realize one of the girls. That <laughs> Rob's all like, I gotta him, look into this guy. <laughs> I yeah. do. I'm just like, this dude sounds like a nut job. Well, <laughs> the thing is, is he would take these women and he would kill them, and then he would he would process them like he would a pig. Ooh. And well, here's the here's the worst part. He used to use a rendering plant that was in. Canada, it where he was out of, and they never really asked questions. They just took his, you know, the, the awful and the fat and everything else that he brought to the rendering plant, and then every once in a while, another oh, barrel would no. show up and there'd be meat in it, and it was like, okay, so this is like meat that you really wouldn't want to get rid of, but it's Willie, so whatever. He just wants to send it off to the rendering plant. So, I mean, you literally think about that during that period of time. There were people using soaps and makeup and like gummy bears and stuff that were yeah, made, of this caps made from material. that stuff too. Yeah, oh, that were made from prostitutes. Oh, oh, he <laughs> looks awful. Oh my I god! You, I told you. <laughs> Who would he get was in the car with this guy? No, oh. that's the thing. He had a friend. All the women that he ever really was involved with were like strung out. But he had a couple of friends that were like little less 
and they would get the prostitutes to come back with them to the piggy palace. And oh, then he'd kill them. Just don't say Piggy Palace anymore. That's yeah, just... Piggy Palace makes it far creepier. It makes Dude, it so look, wrong. Look up the Picton Farm. The place is nuts. But the 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 strange thing about it, other than like what I've just said, is like there were other cops that were like quote unquote on the take, and they would let these parties go on. And they had he had like fundraisers for homeless people. I mean, no. the guy is like this strange dichotomy of. I'm going to eat you, but I think I still love humanity, sort of. Well, it's like, you're a prostitute, but you're not homeless. The homeless is a hard problem out here, okay? Well, exactly. well the other thing is that um, there's a scene in one of the Hannibal movies where um, the guy feeds people to the pigs. Yes. That's where that, that line came from. That idea came from the piggy palace in Picton. Oh, God. It was like, you're... Like, you don't realize how much of, like, Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal had, like, borrowed from, like, actual stuff. Oh, like, like um... Like, oh, Wild Bill name? was Ed Gein. Ed Gein, and, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like... Uh, it's it's nuts, because you think about... If... I'm not... I'm not a slovenly individual, yeah. but I, I'm probably not, like... I can make an Armani suit look like shit. Let's put it that way. If I don't want to look good in it, I have a long... I have a beard... I'm clean, but I'm not groomed. I just don't want to be. No, no shame. I literally look like a guy that came out from the bottom of a bridge to get some free soup. See, I now mean, your no avatar, shame. your avatar literally looks like what I look like in real life. That's a modeled after me. That's <laughs> me. The bald head, the beard. That's yeah. me. When I looked at it, I'm like, how Thick did glasses they Because I'm blonde? Yeah. Big glass. Yeah. The whole night, I literally look like if I wear my flat brim hat, my buddy calls me angrish, angry Amish man. Yes, that's that's oh correct. Oh my god! Yes, yeah, we might it's be twins. Just, maybe. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm say, I should apologize to you too. Like, you know. <laughs> but it's just that that whole idea of like, no, you literally have millions of dollars, millions of dollars. You could buy like and, a pay for this head. Like, it's like his head is fiercely messed up. Oh, it's like all bald in the front, but mullet in the back. And I'm just like, how? <laughs> He like, literally this was a good like idea. someone from the Firefly clan from like, Devil's Rejects. Like, <laughs> totally. It's like if you took Spalding and mixed him with literally anybody yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. Uh. He's, a, he's a messed up. And his brother was a, a, was a piece of shit, too. But his sister's like a, a lawyer or like. She diverged pretty hard from that family branch. Yeah. But when they were growing up, the mother just let the animals come in the house. There was oh, pig God. shit everywhere. Oh, the story of his childhood is like, yeah, I can see how this guy's a serial killer. Oh, man. Okay, so on on that topic, oddly enough, I have probably a personal story to deal with animals in the house and just shitting everywhere. No, come on. When I was younger, and I know this is weird to throw in there, I tried to like move out of my mom's house with a friend of mine, right? Okay. And he lived in like a demilitarized third world ghetto. And I'm talking like they had not known a microwave in really? years. Yeah, like there was, it was, it was awful. And I was like, I'll help you try to fix the place up. Well, he was like, I got some pit bull puppies I want to bring in because it's going to get cold. And I'm like, that's fine. Well, he basically just allowed them to piss and shit wantonly no. throughout the house. Yeah. No. And I was like, no, we got to like potty train these boys. And he was adamant that there's no point to that. What? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was a big bone of contention. And I remember I came back one day 
into the house. I had been working like a double shift. I was super tired. And I just fell back into my bed into a nice pile of cold dog shit. Oh, and that's, no. Oh, and that's, what, and that's when oh, I just threw my hands up oh, and was like, Dad, come pick me up, yo. Oh, me and oh. you back together again, boys. Love you, Dad. You can Dad. beat me all you want. I ain't living in dog shit. Oh. All those things I said about you that might have been true, forget that stuff. Man. Yeah, right. Okay. That's oh, water to the bread. Wow, this interview just took the weirdest of turns. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did. It did. Oh. did. We went from uh, creature features to bed full of dog shit. And I'm like, huh. Uh, well, let's get back yeah. a little bit. I, I, I want to cover one more creature with you, which is the ninja. I, I know this is completely oh, divergent from where we've gone. Ninja. Because we've never we've we've briefly mentioned the ninja on the show, but we've never actually covered them. Um, so let's let's try to veer from pig farms and dog shit and whatever. I, that we'll this doesn't that even way. seem like this I, is going to fit. <laughs> How okay, do I wait, do just, this? Just <laughs> just to just before we go forward. Um, I'll, I'll tell you how close we were to, to Picton's destruction. His impact statements were read December 11th, 2007. Oh That's how recent God. this was. So like, with that, I, I actually <laughs> looked up the picture of his farm and I'm just like, I'm kind of like, it's amazed. It's, it's, it looks like a garbage dump though. Yep. Like, but it's huge. They used to strip huge. cars there and. I uh, we we can have a whole show just on Picton. He's a nut. He is banana. If you do have a show on Picton, please invite me back. Tell you what. Oh yeah, is- I'm talking about you having you here to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah you do the research. We'll definitely do it. Well, since oh, we've already we're for this far into the guy, how did he get caught and everything? Yeah, how did he get bought? Like that's he did one his- survive? He had a few women survive. This is the thing. There were like at least three that had. He would take them back and like handcuff them and then like. They got away, like, and but didn't say anything because they knew the police weren't going to do anything. I like, guess. if they had listened to the first report from the woman, his first, like, woman to get escaped, he would not have been able to kill the 17 people that he was charged for. Oh, the cop, that has to be, like, those need to be fired. The police need to be fired for that one. It was just, well, there was a whole mess because they wanted, the FBI wanted him, but they, um... How did it go? The FBI wanted him because of what was going on, but Canada wouldn't release him because we still had corporal punishment or the area that they wanted to. One of the victims was from the United States and they wanted to execute him here, but uh, Canada wouldn't release him because they didn't want death penalty. So they refused to release the guy. And then. It was a, it was a mess. And if the police in the area had just done their due diligence when that first woman came escaped. to them, yeah. escaped and actually had the balls to say something to the police, this guy wouldn't have gone on this rampage. I mean, he wouldn't that, have been. Ah, oh, it's just I just it it boggles my mind of all. See, that, that's amazing to me that that was like and it, the, the connections between that and like how one little mistake just let so much shit spiral. Yeah, I just I don't. Uh, uh, out yeah, but of that's all the serial the case killers, a lot of this stuff you've had it happen many times with serial killers. Where yeah, but even yeah, yeah but well, even like, like with Gary Ridgway and like there there was like a, a hallmark moment where somebody came forward and they're like, okay, I'm gonna go. There were at least three women that said, you know what? Uh, and then everybody just turned their head the other way. They just couldn't be bothered. Like well, at, at least the police didn't bring them back to the guy. Oh yeah, like Dahmer. Yeah, like with Dahmer, <laughs> like. 
Oh, man. That poor dude. Could you imagine him oh. like in the back of the car? Dude, like, really? was only 14, too. I know. <laughs> 14. And Dahmer's got like a severed head on the kitchen counter. If you took five steps in, you would have been like, oh, yeah, crap. Nobody ever a bunch went of in there. Oh, it's just my aquarium. That smells my aquarium. Dude, if your aquarium smells like that, you need to be drowned in that aquarium. Yeah. Something is in there is wrong, my friend. Totally. I was like, speaking of odd smells, and again, I hate to get derail the topic, but just two seconds. Um, did you hear about the recent, like, 2000 and I believe it was 2000, end of 2017 uh, discovery of a serial killer in Japan? Yes. Yes. Where he yes. had, like, nine bodies just chilling out in his room. Yep. And his and, answer as to why, it's just too hard to get rid of him. Yeah, how do you... No. <laughs> like, like, no. Tupperware. This is but, tupperware. but this just speaks to how polite China or Japanese people can be. And they could yeah. smell that dude for like six months and no one said anything. Dude, we I posted that on our Facebook page the day it hit. Oh, man. I got to so get good. on the Facebook page because that sounds like a fun place. The guy's name is Takahiro Sharishi. There I'm sure go. Chuck's going to re- fix me on that, Chuck. Chuck, let me know how it's supposed to be pronounced. But he literally sought out people that were suicidal. Final. Yeah, so they could die together. Was, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really, dude? Well, you know, oh. all right. Ugh. I'll give the guy a small bit of credit because at least he's trying to perform some kind. I'm not saying uh, he's right. I have to state that up front. Yeah, but yeah. at least he's not going out and taking out people that don't that, that, that don't want to die. It's like... Sure, if yeah, you but want under to die, that, I'll be along. Under that same yeah. pretense, you can go right back to Picton because those people's lives were strung out. They were drug addicts. They they lived a miserable life. I was just yeah, listening they, to another one. But they were we don't but know they if they specifically to wanted to die. Yeah. Whereas yeah, these people, true. they want to die. You know, and, well, and it's, it's like Japan, they're being polite, you know. The so. Craigslist cannibal, you know, that was like exactly. guy, yeah. That dude wanted to get eaten. Yep. Like he, they met him and they, they talked for weeks just to make sure yep. this is something that's going to work. So, yeah, and the way that guy went out, dude, no thank you. No, I'm not bleeding out from a locked glass of wiener. And then, no. <laughs> and I'm sure as hell not going to try it out, but it's too chewy. Yeah. Ah. Like, oh, yeah. Ah. I mean, you no. got to have some serious, like, Something ain't quite right in that brain. <laughs> like, oh, that's that's an understatement. Right like there, you man. never you never look down when you're shaking the bishop and be like, actually, I could probably put that on a piece of toast. No, with some bread. no, I don't no, think you I don't ever, think that. You don't think that. I've never. No, had not that under thought. normal circumstances. I would no. assume that's not something that goes through the mind. I can't think of any circumstance circumstances. I can't I either. I, I've never I met a mind so diseased. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Well, we've had you on here for a, a little no, bit. No, we got to so... talk about the ninja. Okay, fine. We'll talk about the ninja. <laughs> you guys are just going off, which is, you guys Sorry. are fine going off into the yeah, serial killer. No, it's like, fine. Please don't, don't let me end with the penis comment. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and we're done, folks. That's the way to go out. Like, <laughs> if you'd like to hear Robert's further thoughts on penis comments. No, but no, go ahead. If you, Yeah, we can we can bounce into the ninja and wrap it all up with that. Because I did want to go into you about horror writing as well. You're also a horror writer. Uh, oh, yes. I, I could I could see where you would have no problem going into those realms. But um, since we started by talking with weird creatures, let's finish it up with talking about the ninja. Um, God, this is such a hard slam right turn from everything we've talked about. It's all good. It's all good. It's got to finish on a good note. <laughs> yeah, right. Guess so. Um, so let's talk about the ninja. Then. Um, this is like a polar kind of mermaid or something along those lines or. Eskimo mermaid, some sort of a humanoid deep sea creature. If if that's what most reports kind of tune in, uh, it appears to look like it's made of ice, but it often represents. It often looks like it's flesh. 
Uh, it has arms, legs, uh, some sort of face. And one of the weirdest things about it is that it's it's seen, essentially, only in Arctic waters. So the water is so cold that only something with like a large amount of blubber could even live there. Yeah, it just and looks like amorphous and kind of... Like a blob. Like a it like it like human shape ish, you know? Kind of like that guy at the office, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like that guy at the office. Yeah. <laughs> What's the history of the sightings and stuff behind him? It's pretty recent. Um I think the first one that kind of came out was in the nineties. Sixties. Sixty was it sixties, okay. Yep. And <clears throat> I remember it was uh, I think it was a was it was it some sort of uh, whaling ship had seen it or something? Yeah, it was Japanese. Yeah, it was the Japanese, Japanese whaling ship yeah. because, you know, and it was in the Antarctic Ocean. Antarctic, Because sorry, they were cool. out there because, you know, they did, didn't want to follow the rules and still don't to a certain extent of the no whale fishing thing. We need all of these whales for scientific study, all 400 of them. Yes. Don't even worry about what we're doing with the rest of them. Well, for, for a while, they were using the pretense of uh, bovine study. Bovine? Yes, because they were claiming there was some link between bovine and cetacean mammals. So that's what they were using as a, for scientific study. You're telling yeah. me that they, they looked, they killed all these whales to see a connection between whales and cows. That is what, that was the cover story for why they were continuing their quote unquote scientific research. They were eating them all, straight up eating as them. They were eating them, yeah. That's, a, that's like a bit of a stretch there, Japan. Like, uh. These aren't I mean, the I'm cows not one of to, the sea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not one to cast aspersions on someone else's culture, but dude, they're whales. Yeah. I mean, come they're on. There's... Yeah. <laughs> you can eat a lot of different things. You don't need to eat the whale. Like, oh. It has a and sentient the brain. Is, the, the, the term ninja literally means human. Human, yeah, because it looks humanoid. Yeah, they're weird. There's, I mean, I've seen a lot of strange pictures throughout the years of supposed like pictures, but... Like they're literally like they range in size from like the size of a normal person to like almost a hundred feet long. Yeah. Like, so yeah, you're did like, you, uh, did you see the video that was kind of recent about it? It was a, uh, from a deep sea, uh, submersive. Yeah. That thing yeah. actually makes me like scratch my head because it, it looks as though it could be some form of siphonophore, but it also moves like unlike any other siphonophore I've ever seen. What the hell is a siphonophore? You can't just drop knowledge like that and not explain this stuff. <sighs> they're co they're colony. They're animals that live in colonies that are they group together to turn to make one like super like, organism. Oh, yeah, like coral. Think like yeah, coral. Yeah, only okay. free floating. Where coral yeah. is a polyp and it's stationary. Siphonophores they group together in huge colonies. Some of them are like. You know, hundreds of feet long, like birds in flight. Yeah, sort of, except they each meet together and they turn it like they literally turn into like a super organism. Like part of them devote their their lives to like digesting food. Other ones are a mouth part. It's like it's, a hive mind. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. Huh. They're really the cool, though. That, it sounds fascinating. Like if that was what it was, because yeah. that would be just to catch that on camera anyway would be awesome. Yeah, totally. I mean, they, there's, they, they said, well, the first ninja sightings were probably, you know, like a, um, uh, albino humpback. Cause there is one, yeah. I can't remember the guy, the, the one's name, I was like minky or something like that. It's some strange name. And then there's a humpback whale or uh, not a humpback. There's a sperm whale that has, is, a uh, is known and has been 
traced that's an has albinism that they said oh well, it could have been this but by the descriptions that they're giving no. they these people know what whales are yeah. they're eating them they know what whales are this is a food source we know this is not what this is yeah like, exactly i mean if you're gonna like granted yes science you're gonna go after a whale you're gonna eat the 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 pilot whales or whatever it is you're going after but there's this gigantic thing that looks somewhat humanoid to you you're not gonna go out that's a lot of meat yeah so for the idea to be that it is a humanoid form and they're staying away from it then that's not a whale yeah if it's and it's not a squid enough yeah because there's also talk that, you know, maybe it was a colossal squid that was, you know, also either showing leukistic or, or albinus, uh, albinism. But again, that has eight arms and two tentacles and, and two graspers, and it doesn't have the same shape as a human. wouldn't be able to mimic that kind of form, yeah. No, absolutely not. So it's, it's intriguing. There's also ones that have been photogra- quote-unquote photographed, whether it's been digitally manipulated or not, that are on two legs that wander along on ice packs that are out there. Now, see, that's the ones that I ended up seeing as well. And what was, in my opinion, kind of crazy is someone voiced the idea that it was a prehistoric sloth. Yeah, but it, lit- it doesn't that have had, an upright posture, though. Yeah, that, it's well, that's forward. It could have been an evolutionary adaptation, if that is true. Well, what is it eating? If it's a sloth, they were herbivorous. Yeah, like what could it be eating? But that was, to me, that was an interesting question. Or Because if it is something like, let's just say it is a sloth, and it evolved to live primarily in the ocean, mm. what would be its food source? Seals. Seals. So it Seals, would be carnivorous? Yeah. It would have to be carnivorous. You're not going to get in well, that area. I definitely area. don't want to see this thing next to my boat. Like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Like, this stuff nightmares are made out of. All that giant opening has teeth. That's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't there's you're not going to be able to find plant life in that that no. kind of cold. At yeah. that longitude? No. no, it's there's no plant life there. I mean not above the surface. No, you there no. might be seaweed down below. Uh, not that far down. Wonder if there not is that far. I think kelp Kelp lives in semi-climate weather. There are places up north that do have bullhead kelp that's in colder water. But, but not down in the Antarctic. I'm not quite no. sure. Yeah. Now, what I want kind of like in this one sort of I, I left this off of the main page that I had done on it because I want to look more into it before I put anything up. But there have been lots of accounts in the past about violent sightings with what you would call a mermaid. Hmm. Um, one of the ones that I remember uh, vividly from not too long ago was a guy in the tropics. He was spearfishing, and this the sun was starting to set a bit. And you know, you're never supposed to be in there after dark because it's pitch black and predators come out. Mm-hmm. And he was getting ready to go back in with his haul, and the sand kind of kicked up beneath him in this cloud, and this creature barreled towards him with arms outstretched with talons and sharp teeth Oof. and long sort of like spindly hands. It was terrifying. And he eventually, he got back in the boat as the thing crested the water after him. And Yikes. what the hell that could be. Yeah. But his description though, sort of matched what you would match with a mermaid. And yeah. I tell, like could the Ningen be some sort of version of that creature. Would be. Polar, something in the, you know, subarctic or arctic. Well, I mean, you wouldn't have, you, it it would have to be a true endotherm in order to live in that area. You're not going to have an ectothermic creature unless it was a, you know, like a, 
along the same lines as a Greenland shark or something that could move the the heat transfer from uh, muscle movement to be able to keep the brain and other vital organs warm. But most most likely it would be an endotherm, something that produces its own heat or it can be in temperate areas or a mixture of the two. I don't know what we're yelling about! See, I've got still. too hard of a problem believing in this kind of a cryptid because you're talking in a you're talking in a, a relatively unexplored area of the ocean the temperatures oh, yeah, are far vastness. different yeah. dude um, we don't dude we've sent little machines out to distant rocks in space and know more about them than we do about something that covers 70% of our planet yeah, yeah. In a dead, i think depth, i think the stats like, it's you know, like, wild when you see start to think about it is like and i hate to interrupt you i'm sorry no go ahead but um we've only explored like 5% of the ocean something like that something crazy like that and when you start to think back to these old sea stories um we recently proved that there are giant squid yeah that's what i was going i was saying for the longest time we only found bodies of giant squid we didn't get uh, giant squid on video until a couple years ago Uh, yeah i think within the last six years six 2006 okay that footage was terrifying wasn't it yeah it was oh the coloration um, of though alive is amazing we still haven't captured a living one though correct uh, no, not captured. Not no, yeah, I think so. but, we've only found that we've only found the bodies of them. That's the only thing that leads me aside from this, though, is that you would think we would find a body of some kind or they're floating. But then again, these are being found in the Antarctic. So, yeah. dude, we just found out that the ice fish is a thing. It has no hemoglobin and no gamma, gob- gamma globulin in its yeah, blood. Say that. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. See, that's in times <laughs> fast. That's a little rough there. <laughs> it, it literally has clear blood. We didn't know this thing even existed up until five years ago. As far as like taxonomy, we had no idea. It had been it had been seen, but never caught as specimen to be able to be dissected. And hey, what was that prehistoric shark that eventually washed up in Japan as well? That like serpentine. Oh, frill thing? shark. Yeah, yeah we know. Shark. We the no. first the first recorded like I don't want to say sighting, but written down that this thing actually existed was the late eighteen hundreds. So we knew that they were there only by visual. We'd never had a body. Yeah. And they'd be, they've been seen in like shallow water, but again, we didn't have a body. We've had two of them that were beautiful specimens. Unfortunately, both died within the last year. Like beautiful specimens. Oh, yeah. The videos I've seen of these things, are they're fascinating. Oh, they are. Well, they're a six gill. That's not, that's, that's an ancient, there's a handful of six gills that are still here that we know of. So when, when one comes up, they're literally a living fossil because most of the group, the shark group split to five gill and a handful stayed as quote unquote prehistoric sharks. I wonder what the evolution, I wonder what the benefit of having five gills is as opposed to warmer waters, quicker movement waters. Okay. The six, I mean, you look at the, 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 the species that have the six gill, they're usually deeper water, colder water, Cold water carries more oxygen. Oxygen, cold water is oxygen rich, whereas warm water is, it's terrible. The colder the water, the more CO2 uh, CO2 dissipates and oxygen is captured in. So the six gill, because it would be in a colder area, has more oxygen, but there's 
there's less food, there's less, they're mostly survivability. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, science. All right. Well, <laughs> we've been sorry. Going I can talk for, about this for, yeah, I know. Days. No, no, no. Like, that's it, honestly, it is fascinating, especially like I love sea creatures specifically. Mm-hmm. Because there's the concept of the, the probability of them being real is so much higher. Yeah, absolutely. Because of just how big the ocean is and how little we know about it. Like, I'll never forget, I watched uh, a documentary not too long ago. Um, my favorite creatures are jellyfish. Mm. And they've got that footage of that football-length jellyfish that lives, like, in the Helios part of the ocean. Yep. Where the sun never shines. Yep. And I thought, my God, it's gorgeous. They are. There's... It, it, there are so many – there's so much we don't know about jellyfish in general, just that subspecies. It's it, – again, I could go on for oh, – no, I no. could go on for days on just – sea life fascinates me because it is so foreign to anything terrestrial. It's the closest thing to an alien life that we're ever going to really find. Yeah. Yeah. I can believe that totally. Especially since there was that one jellyfish that bypasses the whole death thing. Oh, like yeah, the eternal jellyfish. Yeah, the eternal yeah. jellyfish. It Turned just goes from, like, polyp. adult yeah. baby. And I'm like, yep. wait a minute. Yep. Yeah, I love that. That's good it's, stuff. It is fascinating, yeah. Sorry, did you bro. Want to talk about, it's okay. Did you, did you <laughs> want to talk about your horror rating? Or you also have a podcast yourself, don't you? Dustland Radio I, or something like I that? I do. I do. I started up a Dustland Radio uh, about a year ago. And just to sort of, like give you an idea it's uh told within the narrative of a post-apocalyptic wasteland um this guy travels around through uh, different like broadcast areas radio stations to short sort of uh put music and stories back on the air because they've never had that like the people that exist there they have no real a form of entertainment it's a drool it's a grind it's so hard to survive and what he comes across are audio tapes, which are the short stories that I write. And he projects them out as he tries to struggle and survive in this rough place as well. I just subscribed. Sweet. I'll listen to that uh, <laughs> tomorrow at work. Well, I you also do Lovecraftian readings as well, too, correct? I you do. You do all kinds of different story readings. Oh, don't get me started on love. We'll never end this interview. Oh, I yeah, know. I know. Like, I, know. I, I, just, I just actually sat down and... <laughs> the other day and introduced my friend to Lovecraft and I probably gushed for about four hours. Oh yeah. He had never read anything by him. And I was like, you were missing out, sir. Totally. Totally. Is he, is he a fan of, uh, Poe? Uh, yeah, he was a big fan of Poe. Um, what about, I, uh, Oh, what the hell's his name? Maupassant. He wrote the Horla. That was the, uh, the, uh, precursor to Cthulhu. Oh, right. He got the idea for Cthulhu. That's where Lovecraft got the idea for Cthulhu. What was his name? The Horla. The guy's name is Guy de Maupassant. Listen to it. It's 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 obscure, but you can see the tentative connections between the Horla and love and Lovecraft's mythos as they grew. Oh, I'm going to tear this up later. <laughs> well, welcome to the family. Yeah, get oh, out of the face. Some good page. stuff. You have All found right. a new home. Oh, I'm, I'm a Lovecraft buff. You've got to I'm... find our page on Facebook. Go look up Project Archivist on Facebook. Actually, I think I'm friended with you on Facebook, so I'll just add you. If not, I'll friend you, then I'll add you to it if you can't find it. 
please do if I don't join like immediately. Add me. Yeah, you, you, you've you've got a new home. <laughs> Everybody there is gonna my love people. You, you got so them. um. Let's wrap this up though. But um, where can people find you? How can they find your website? How can they find the stuff that you post? You know, where do you hang out? Um, I'm a big fan. Of, I'm not a big fan, but I, I frequent Reddit quite a few times uh, throughout the day. Uh, you'll usually find me hanging out on uh, like cryptids or r slash serial killer. Um, if you want to find any of my work and follow my blog where I post some creature features, it's rebrewster.com. And from there, you can find my YouTube channel and a couple of the personal things that I've been working on, such as Wait, uh, short fiction. Yeah. Is it under R.A. Brewster? I have two. Uh, one's under R.A. Brewster and or R. Allen Brewster, and the other is under Dustland Radio. Okay. <laughs> Got that now. <laughs> I hope you enjoy uh, a couple of, and I'll be actually per, be putting up a couple of video games, or not video games, but a couple of dev diaries. I'm working on a horror series, like Choose Your Adventure style game. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm a big fan of those. I was a huge fan of those when I was a kid. And I figured, why not try my hand at it? So look for some stuff on that pretty soon. Thank you for coming on here and talking. This has been a lot of fun. At the very beginning of the interview, Lobo wasn't involved because of oh. the usual weird Skype issues. But I got it fixed. This Thank is, God. This show has taken some of the wildest and craziest turns of any interview that I've ever done, I think, because we've just gone in 19 different directions. And I think if we could probably have you on here for another three hours easily. I would enjoy um, that greatly. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be somebody will be calling back and picking your brains. I have a feeling somewhere around the time of uh, Lovecraft's birthday, we might call you back up and have you on here to talk Lovecraft, because uh, that's probably my, my favorite authors are Lovecraft and Philip K. Dick for the most part. Mm. So. Oh. I could yammer on about those guys for hours, but uh, it's been a lot of fun having you here. I'm very sure that we'll be hanging out with you more often and we'll be seeing more of you, at least on the Facebook page. So uh, oh, yeah, thanks for being here. It's been a lot of fun. It has been a blast. You guys are great. Thanks for having awesome. me on. Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. If you like motorcycles and you like comedy, perhaps you should try the Wheel Nerds podcast. Stop that. What, what are you doing? I'm doing my announcer voice. It's proven super effective. It's stupid. Nope. We're the Wheel Nerds. Shut up. We're the Wheel Nerds. We're a weekly-ish comedy motorcycle podcast where we talk about everything two wheels and a bunch of stuff that isn't. Give us a listen at wheelnerds.com, iTunes, or Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Ha, ha, ha. I'm going to stop doing this now. My throat hurts. Fortunately, Whoa. I wasn't recording to hear your nostril explode into the speaker. Good. Oh, that hurt a lot. <sighs> Lobo's brain just exploded out of his nose right as I hit record. Wee. Anyways, Robert Allen Brewster. That cool cat. Cool cat. Uh, that was probably one of the craziest interviews we've done in a long time. <laughs> just for the randomness of it. 
you guys hit it off really, really damn well. He's a cool dude. Which was fine because I'm like, I can't process right now. (laughs) (laughs) He's definitely somebody we have to have back on here. I would like to have him back on here because there's a lot of stuff that we didn't touch on. We wanted to touch a lot about horror writing and you know, the the path of the horror books have taken over the years and stuff. I want to talk about Lovecraft and stuff, which I think it's probably better that we have him back on here again later on. Um, I've always wanted to do a show about Lovecraft around Lovecraft's birthday every year, but for whatever mm-hmm. reason, it just never seems to line up where we can do a Lovecraftian show again. Um, so I'm aiming at possibly doing that down the road. But then again, this he's such a guy that covers so many wide swaths of topics. I have a feeling we can have him on here for just about anything. And yeah, I would think so. Let it go. I think he's going to be one of those guests where it's like we need a guest. We'll just have him on a hit record and see where it takes us. He seems to have that good flow with us. And it was a lot of fun talking to him. I'm really glad you were here because if I had to do a solo show this week, there's no way in hell I would have been able to pull it off. <laughs> just not in the condition that I'm in right now. As I'm talking right now, I am babbling. <sighs> <laughs> now I get the chill. So I'm Drugs off for bad. Like two weeks. Okay. <laughs> God, yeah, the good meth. <laughs> yeah, the good meth. Chuck? Uh, a lot of people really enjoyed the outtakes from last week. Oh, there my God. There are none of this week. There's no outtakes this week, folks. Oh, my God. That's we just haven't hurt. had a show like that in a while. We that hadn't done. Hurt, dude. I had a headache after that show. <laughs> God. Ugh. It's been a long time since we have out- had outtakes to that extent. Uh-huh. So, anyways, um... There was a bunch of stuff that I wanted to say, and I just can't remember any of it right now. So just bear with me, folks. And uh, I guess that's that's how it's going to be for this week. (laughs) (laughs) But again, you know, congrats to everybody in Hawaii who survived possible nuclear annihilation. Yeah, dude, I don't know. (laughs) That was, um, well, Ted Rowe posted something about it. He's like, this is what I woke up to. He was the first person that that I saw posted something about that. And then yep. when I guess people like legitimately lost their shit, as I would have, when you well, get a message like that, especially when, like, where are you going to go? You're on Hawaii. Where, what are you going to do? I don't know. Surf's up. Jump let's in go. the ocean. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then it came back that it was a false alarm. It's like, all right, how how are you going to get out of this one? Like the fact that that's, that that's out there, you know, because with everything that's going on with Korea and everything right now, you know, who who hit the button to do that? Dude, it happens all the time, though. That's the problem. It happens all the time. They just had one in California for, like, early evacuation for something. It was was right before the new year. It flashed up on people's screens. They're like, holy shit, people lost their minds. For what? Hold on a minute. I'm going to look this up. Yeah, look it up. What was uh, Emergency Alert California? Yeah. I'm going to do a uh, book of knowledge search here. Emergency Alert California false alarm. Oh, end of the world. Yeah, yep. that was alien invasion thing or something like that. Some nonsense. Yeah, hold on here. It was September 22nd. Lake Forest, some television viewers in Southern California were shocked when an end of the world alert showed up on their screens. Don't start playing audio. Thank you. Uh, it happened just after 11 a.m. on Thursday on Cox Cable, according to KCBS. One woman said she was watching HGTV when the announcement interrupted the show. It's almost sounded like Hitler talking. Isn't it amazing how much better I can can read when I have got something in my system? Mm, maybe that's the key. Maybe we need to give you drugs. No kidding. It almost sounded like <laughs> Hitler talking. Stacy Laflamme, Laflamme, Laflamme of Lake Forest told the Orange County Register it sounded like a radio broadcast coming through the television. Customers of Time Water Spectrum was also 
also got the ominous message with one woman saying it was like a man talking about the second coming, according to KCBS. This reminds me of the Max Hedrum hack from way, mm-hmm. way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A spokesman from Cox tells the KCBS and Orange County Register the viewers should have seen the un- unusual emergency broadcast test. Uh, with these tests, an emergency tone is sent out to initiate the test. Joe Camaro, a spokes uh, bitchin Camaro, Joe Bitchin Camaro, who will henceforth <laughs> be known as a spokesman from Cox, told the newspaper after the tone is transmitted, another tone is sent to the end of message. It appears the radio station or stations did not transmit the end tone to complete the test. Cox and Cox and Spectrum are investigating the incident to determine if the incident uh, or was done on purpose. We have confirmed that we are fed fed an incorrect audio feed. Uh, Oops. The message comes after Christian <laughs> numerologist and self-described researcher David Mead said that Saturday would be the end of the world. Fail. Uh, yeah. Mead's, Mead's theory <laughs> suggests that the Earth will collide with Nibiru. There it is again. A planet famous Ugh. in conspiracy circles, but which astronomers say doesn't exist. Because if Nibiru were exist. actually coming towards the Earth, everybody with a damn telescope would have seen it ages ago. Oh. God, that Nibiru story just does not die. Every year. This is the year of Nibiru. There it oh, is. Geez. Every single year. It sounds, I want to hear, I don't know if Hysteria 51 is covered or not yet, but that's a show for, for you guys to cover over there. Brent, do the uh, Nibiru show about the legend of Nibiru. Oh. Nibiru or whatever the hell you want to call Doesn't it. really matter. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, we're going to call this good um, because I'm loopy as hell right now. Mm. So, um, and we made it this episode and I've got editing to do. Yay. And that'll be it for this week's folks. Uh... Yeah, I've got nothing else to say. I'm I'm good. This is Rojan. Peace out from a knee recovering surgery. Rojan from Detroit. This is Lobo from Connecticut, where all my parts work mostly. I still have a hernia though. So do I. That is my next major surgery uh, that I'm going to have to get umbilical? taken care of. Umbilical. Dude, yes. same. I've had it for like 14 years. Yeah. How stupid getting, am I? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. That's Ugh. that's that's kind of why I'm glad I didn't get this promotion because all this stuff that I need to get taken care of, I've just said to hell with it. I'm going to do this and I'm going to get it all fixed. There you go. So welcome I'm, to the old man hour with yeah, Rogan and Bulldog. Yeah, <laughs> medical problems right here, folks. Oh, medical God. problems. Yep. So, and then I've got Lisa going on Facebook and posting things about having an itchy rectum, which I do not have. Thanks, itchy Lisa. Rectum. You didn't see that? Dude, I haven't been on Facebook really. Yeah, because it's up your what phone. What's wrong with my phone, uh, dude? We're getting sidetracked again. She posted Indeed. this thing up on my Facebook page, saying something like, uh, something like, I I figured out what we were talking about. You have an itchy rectum, and it's a sign of hemorrhoids. I, I, I turn on, I, I log on to Facebook, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly my response. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then all these people are responding to this post, and I'm like. What what the hell's going on here? What are you doing? What is this? Oh. So, yeah. Well, here you go. Thanks, I'm going to say this, and we're going to be out. Shots fired. Fuck you, chatbot. Oh, God. Spineless drivel nut. Chatbot? You mean C-bot? Yes. C-bot. Yeah. We're on some new network now, by the way. So if anybody out there is Are? listening to us, yeah, apparently we're on some kind of 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 network where somebody runs our show every week Something's or something with the who's and what's it yeah i i don't remember we're not supposed to drop the f-bomb but we've done it a few times already i don't paid? know i know nobody cares, nobody cares. <laughs> peace folks bye bye i don't know